joining us in the studio, the mayor of Collingwood. We say good morning to your worship, Brian Saunderson. Great to have you back, Brian. Good morning, guys. Great to be here. What a beautiful day outside today. Absolutely gorgeous day. Of course, uh, we have to ask you if you've been following the, uh, and I'm sure you are, the uh, Collingwood Judicial Inquiry. Uh, we're actually going to be uh, speaking a little later on with folks from the inquiry, so uh, around 9, 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that you can't talk too much about it because uh, it's not in your place. But uh, are, are you happy with the process so far? Uh, well, that's uh, sort of a, a double-edged question. Am I, uh, am I happy with the process? I'm happy with the thoroughness of, of, the, uh, of the inquiry and the work that's been done. And, uh, you know, judging from the first two days of uh, oral testimony, uh, there's still lots to be done. Um, that said, uh, certainly the uh, foundation document, which has uh, not been tested and it will be tested through the hearings, certainly paints a very disturbing and, uh, and really upsetting, I think, uh, picture of manipulation at Town Hall um, and that led to some subpar decisions and outcomes for our community, and that's why this inquiry has been struck. Last time we talked to you, the uh, foundation document had just got published, so nobody had a chance to see it yet. Uh, Now that you've had the chance to look through it, um, the inquiry was, uh, you certainly championed it. I'm not, I think it probably was your idea. Um, Are you surprised at how much stuff, and and did it shock you what was in it, uh, even though you were the end, they called the inquiry, was it worse than you thought? (laughs) Yes, I think shocking is a good word, John. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we've said, this is yet to be proven in court, but it's certainly the chronology is of, uh, of uh, sort of lines of communication that went far outside town hall and uh, decisions that were being critical decisions and strategic decisions that were being made that were not being made at the council table. You mentioned not proven in court. Even this inquiry isn't a court. Uh, what's the next steps after the inquiry? Could there be recommendations that the prosecution happens? I, um, I think the, uh, the recommendations that the inquiry, this is under the Municipal Act. Right. So their, their, their mandate is to look at these transactions to tell us if they were done properly or improperly and how you might fix that moving forward. Uh, but if evidence t- uh, is turned up that uh, could potentially lead to criminal uh, charges, and we know there's a criminal investigation going on, and certainly we would hope that the OPP would pick up on that. The reason why the inquiry became, uh, in my opinion, unavoidable is because we couldn't get this information. Mm. We were asking people for information, and we weren't getting it, and we weren't getting satisfactory answers. And so the inquiry has the ability to compel people to come. They had the ability to compel through subpoenas uh, the production of these documents. So we've got 440,000 documents, and we've seen a very comprehensive stream of email communications that uh, people expected were private and uh, paint a picture of how things were going, uh, were being done. And, uh, and now we have the court judge, uh, Justice Morocco, who is the Associate Chief Justice of the Superior Court of Ontario, has the ability to compel witnesses to come to trial or come to the hearings and, and provide their information under oath. Two full days so far of uh, testimony and cross-examination. How much longer d- does this part go? Well, the part is this part one, which is looking into the sale of the shares, is was scheduled for uh, two weeks of hearings, which would end uh, next Friday. They're looking to sit next Friday. Uh, it is shortened by the Easter break over the mm-hmm. weekend, so they're shorter weeks. Um, and if you look at the the witnesses they had for this week, were uh, 
Clerk Sarah Almas, uh, former CAO Kim Wingrove, uh, former Council Member Ian Chadwick, former Deputy Mayor uh, Rick Lloyd, and former Mayor Sandra Cooper. I don't think we're going to get through those this week since we only have one more day of mm-hmm. hearing. So these are uh, are going to take a while. Let's uh, let's drop the subject. We'll get more in the inquiry, as I said, when we get a chance to talk to uh, to the council for the inquiry just after nine o'clock. In terms of the the town of Collingwood, how is business going? Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on, certainly with the inquiry, but it's business as usual for the town. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of very positive things going on for the town. So um, uh, we've passed our budget. Uh, I think it was a very responsible, uh, fiscally responsible, but progressive budget. So we're doing things around town hall. There's a reorganization. We're changing how our reporting structure works. I think we're updating uh, to be much more current. Uh, Customer service is is a big uh, issue. So we have a we're going to have a centralized customer service desk. So when you walk through the front hall, uh, door at Town Hall, uh, you're, you're being met by Chris and staff in there who are doing our customer service, and they're great. They're young, dynamic people, and uh, they will be directing and answering questions. Um, uh, we are redoing our website, and the website will have a whole bunch of new uh, platforms and add-ons that will help in our citizen engagement. There's one called Bang the Desk, uh, which w- we can push out questions and do surveys and invite uh feedback from residents on on various issues um uh, we are out now hiring for our executive director uh, our new planning director has come on board so there are are lots of uh, uh very positive things going on at town hall and um you know we have a lot we have a lot of great exciting topics i mean we have about 18.5 million dollars that we need to talk to the public about how we're going to invest in our community uh we have our waterfront master plan moving forward with the uh Water facility used to be called Splash Pad. I don't know if that's how, what's politically incorrect with Splash Pad. I don't know. Maybe if you're water. But uh, so so we're doing that. And, and so there's there's so many great things going on around the town. And it is a very exciting time to be on this council. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, formerly known as the Splash Pad looks like. Yes. It's going to be great. Um, in the budget, I know one of the things that we've talked about is a concern not only for Collingwood, but f- quite frankly, the region, is attainable housing. Yes. And, and I know that uh, Simcoe County is building some buildings and there's you know, we're moving forward, but there's still a long ways to go. In the budget, is there? have you addressed that? Uh, I, I only bring it up because the town of Blue Mountains actually have addressed it. They've got a, a Blue Mountains Attainable Housing Corporation set up. They're going to be aggressively looking at that. Uh, are you? Is the town of Collingwood buying in on this? So there's different issues for different communities. And uh, I know talking to Mayor Sauve, uh up at uh, Blue Mountain, they're looking at a bunch of models because they have a transient work. Uh, workforce, right, and so they're trying to look at uh, things from dorms to uh, uh, the the Whistler model, where people have to live there for a certain period of time, then they can buy in, and they buy in at a fixed value, and then when they turn around and sell, they have to sell it at the same sort of rate. So that's a different model, really, I think, from Collingwood. I'm not saying it's not something we wouldn't consider, but we are looking for more long term. Uh, um, uh, resident housing inventory type things. We have young families here, so we don't have the tran- same extent of transient workforce. So to answer your initial question, uh, yes, we'll be looking at that, I think, th- partly through our official plan uh, uh, update. And, uh, and so the critical piece of the attainable housing really is that it gives us the full circle economy. If you can't house all your workforce, then you've got an issue. 
Um, and uh, as well, it, it, it is an economic driver. So when we talk to a lot of our local employers, they're saying to us, we can't get enough workers, skilled, trained workers here uh, in our area because it's so difficult for them to find uh, places to live. And when you look at planning applications, when we get applications from the planning department, development applications, they'll say, you know, we're looking at densification of so many units per hectare. Uh, and then there's a little line across the bottom that says, and under the Planning Act, we have to create these many jobs. So it is very much uh, a circle of uh, uh, sustainability, really, is the word that comes to mind for me. It, there's economic sustainability, there's housing sustainability, there's uh, food sustainability. There's, it's a very broad picture, and attainable housing is one major slice of that. Um, so ad addressing that certainly is, is an important issue for us moving forward. And yes, we're very aware, for, aware of it. And I think it's part, in part looking at how you incent developers to, to uh, because part of the attainable housing is making sure it's in a price bracket, regardless of whether it's an apartment condo or, uh, or home semi-detached or otherwise. Uh, and so what we have to do is work with them to say, you know, you've got to look at a different market for this. It's not just the high-end market. Do you see the town working on maybe adjusting development charges for developers who are looking at doing attainable housing? Part of the challenge is you know, development charges are expensive in this town, if you ask contractors. And uh, you know, if you're developing something that's not going to make as much money as some of the bigger expensive homes, can you get a break on that? So you can look at doing that, and that's uh, called a CIP, a Community Improvement Plan. And uh, through a Community Improvement Plan, you can target... Uh, certain sectors to try and in, uh, incent developers to build that type of building. But again, you have to look at the whole food chain here because development charges are the things that we can use to maintain our infrastructure and development doesn't just necessarily pay for development or you could say through development charges it pays for development because it requires investment in infrastructure moving forward and development charges can only be used for certain things which are uh, community improvements or upgrades that are required as a result of the development. So we have to be careful that uh, at the end we're making sure we meet all our needs um, at the end of the day. So offering concessions is uh, is something you should only do in the, in I think in the most uh, uh, important circumstances. And uh, so that's certainly something we would look at. Last week we talked about the Collingwood Elvis Festival, and uh, as uh, you had recommended in the steering committee, the uh, the Elvis Festival is has been voted to no longer be uh, operated by the town of Collingwood after the 25th anniversary, which is coming up this uh, July. Uh, there was a discussion. You mentioned it, that there was a proposal. Uh, an unsolicited proposal for a, a private enterprise to take over the Elvis Festival. Uh, you didn't move straight through that, and I get, <laughs> I get, and especially in these days, you don't want to just start going with a single source suppliers. But we don't really own much of a festival. It's just really the name. Um, but it is important for those who believe economically we need an Elvis Festival that we get moving on this, so that before the twenty fifth anniversary people know there's going to be another festival how quickly is this decision going to be made on on whether the the proposal in front of you now is going to be accepted or or how you're going to put an rfp on how do you deal with this uh, well i think that's what the the hesitancy was that's why that matter was deferred sure. because i think council had questions we um Initially, we're under the impression when you read the staff report and it, it said the the proposal that we got said um uh Unsolicited, which is a term, unsolicited proposal is a term under our procurement bylaw. 
um, which allows you to to consider sole sourcing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there was uh, some apprehension among council that this was um, uh, that you know that we do have. Um, a proprietary interest in this, and it was looking at uh, w- whether or not there were procurement implications. And the short answer to that, as we learned from Director Culver, is no, there isn't, because we don't have any rights to this. Uh, we have to purchase the rights right. from the Elvis Entertainment or Enterprises, and uh, and that's an annual arrangement. It's a licensing agreement. And other than that, most of the stuff that we own in support of the festival is fairly generic and could be used for other festivals, like the golf carts to sure. help get people around town. So... Uh, but that said, uh, we, uh, you know, we there is a certain cachet. There, this is a well-known festival. It's known around the world, and uh, it's been very successful for 25 years. And while it has been declining, we decided to go out on a high note. But it still has cachet. It still has uh, impact. And um, so we, on that weekend, I think, and in Collingwood, have uh, some... Uh, 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 interest in how it's carried forward. And so what we really wanted to better understand, I think, is is what is the proposal? How, how would it work? It, 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 you know, in the proposal that we received, it was for a, an, a reduced audience from last year even. So it's not on the same scale that we had it. And I think there's some concern that we we want to make sure that the festival moving forward, if it does move forward with a private supplier, um, it lives up to the reputation that Collingwood's established. But if we don't make that decision quickly, we, there is an opportunity for anyone to just go ahead and make their own deal with EPE, Elvis Presley Enterprises, and we could lose anything here. Yeah, and that's always been the situation. Mm. Well, I mean, the only time I think we had the exclusivity is when we were in our licensing arrangement with right. EPE. And that so outside of that, anybody could have applied for a festival, uh, either, either here in town or in a neighboring community. Mm-hmm. So so it's, there's, it's a fine line, John, because there's things that we may have some slight control over, but there's others that we have none. So... Um, so, but making a decision, I think, will probably guide uh, any supplier or proponent because they'll know that Collingwood is looking for a private supplier and may want to take advantage of the cachet that we have. Hmm. Well, Brian Saunderson, thank you once again for joining us here on Talk to the Town. We appreciate you joining us. Oh, it's always great, guys. Have a great day. And uh, hopefully we'll see some people out at Harborview Park. Today is uh, cleanup day. Yes. So between 1 and 3, most of council will be down at Harborview Park, and I will be there as well. And so welcome everyone out. We're going to get up into the double digits today. It's a great way to enjoy the spring. Thank you.